you will know uh, that my, uh, Rosie and my, my, my wife and myself, we moved house recently. Um, and anybody who has ever moved house will know that when you move house, there's an awful lot of jobs that need to be done, aren't there? Um, you know, it's, and one of those jobs that I, I, I needed to do, um, I needed to take down a tree in the garden. Um, it was this, a, a tree which was massively overgrown. It was intermingled with it were brambles and ivy, and, and it was growing up over the um, the kind of the joining fence with one of our neighbours. And I just felt so bad that our our poor neighbour, this elderly widow, is there with this huge tree growing into her garden that she could do nothing about. So I wanted to make it a priority to to get rid of this tree. So a few weeks ago, I, I set to. And I managed to get the tree down and hack it all down to, to nothing more than a stump that was about this kind of high with a, a few kind of branches and things coming off of it. And, um, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll come back later and then I'll, I'll dig it up. We'll get the roots up and, um, and it will be gone for good. So a week or so later, I got out my spade and um, headed down the garden, got to the tree. And, and I began to realize just how big a job it was going to be. Um, I began to realize that this wasn't just a, a little tree which had been planted a few years ago. This was a, a tree that was well-rooted and established. And not only that, but it, it was a tree that was on the, the adjoining wall. So there was a fence coming right alongside that was pressed up against it. And there was a, um, a retaining wall right along the other side of it. So really, I could only get at it from two angles and in terms of digging in there. And I just looked at it, and then I saw... Not only that, but there was a concreted in fence post smack bang next to the roots, which it had grown all around, and I was going to have to try and dig through. And so I, I got out the spade. I kind of put in a couple of times half-heartedly, and um, I then just realized, you know what? With all of these obstacles that are there, this job is just too big for me. And um, so I did something which I, I never liked doing. I resigned myself to it was impossible, and I, I gave up and stepped away and, and walked away from it wasn't long after that that um, I, w- I was here, and I was having a chat with, with Kieran, and he asked if there was anything he could do to, to help around the house um, with us moving in. And um, so I, I quickly thought, there's a stump that I need to get rid of. And so I, I had a word with him, and he came around on Thursday evening this week, him and his friend Steve, and uh, they gave me a handle. They did most of the work, to be fair, uh, getting rid of this um, tree stump. They turned up with all the right tools, with the pickaxes, and with all the different bits and bobs that they needed, um, and they'd done it lots of times before. They looked to the stump and they said, no problem, it's going to be easy, it won't take us long at all. That's what they thought. <laughs> the two of them, they, they set two, and um, very quickly they managed to cut through some of the roots, dig out a bit of a hole on these two sides that it was easy to get to. They gave it a kind of a, a bit of a shake, and it was going nowhere, not a wiggle. And uh, so they, they worked hard, and they dug a bit more, and they dug around it, and they kept coming back to it, taking it in turns, having a break, sitting, having a chat, and this tree was stubborn. It was refusing to move. And, and, and as time went by, it, it became clear that it was simply a question of who's going to give up first. Is it going to be the tree, or is it going to be the guys doing the digging? And I, I remember Steve saying at the time um, that the tree was putting up a good fight, but he'd never had a tree win a fight yet. And um, so he, he, was, he was stubborn too. Uh, so he kept going, he pressed on, and um, he wasn't about to give up his undefeated record against the trees. And so there was a visible sigh of relief when the tree began to wobble, and there seemed to be a little bit of movement, and they realized they were getting there, and they managed to, to get through um, and get it up. And we see a picture of the tree finally defeated, lying on the floor, very sad for itself. There we go. Thank you, guys. I don't know if you're here. I can't, I can't spot you around, but thank you if you are. It did a brilliant job, and I couldn't have ever got it up without you. But here's the thing. You know, life can often seem 
like this kind of almost impossible battle. You know, like when I came out on my own with a spade ready to go and to dig up the stump, but I was discouraged by challenge after challenge after challenge, by obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, to the point when, after very little effort, I was just ready to give up. You know, there are times in life when we can become so overwhelmed by the challenges and the difficulties and the pressures that are around us that we just don't know how we can carry on. And I'm sure we've all had one of those times when we think back about life and we sit back and we say to ourselves, I'm just finding it all too much. And, and you know, if we're honest, I think there can be times when it's just the same when we try to, to live life following Jesus. And when it comes to our, not just the, the kind of the practicalities of life, but our, our Christian walk. Now, sometimes we, we hear about or we read about or we look at the kind of life that, that God is calling us up to. And it can be overwhelming, can't it? When we stop and think about God's call to, to be a people who are like Jesus. Who have his character. A character of peace and kindness and faithfulness and self-control. Who have something of his heart of love for people. A heart that means that he is, is willing to, to give of himself even when it costs him. To have his, his heart to give generously to meet the needs of the poor. Have his time and everything that he had. To be a people that God calls us up to. A people who walk in victory over the temptations that surround us. And that statement that for me always tops it off. That statement of Jesus when he then says, Therefore be perfect. As my heavenly father is perfect. That's the point when I sit back and go, That's the end for me then. You know, we, we hear all of that, and we think about what it means and all of the, the changes that that requires in our life, and it can become easy to be overwhelmed, for it to appear impossible, for you to get discouraged, for you to think, how can I possibly live like that? I may as well give up. And today, I really just, I want to give you some good news. Do you know, it's not the kind of life that Jesus is... Is that on now? Brilliant. There we go. That's easier. Okay, hopefully we'll stop the clicks and the bangs. But that's not the kind of life that Jesus is inviting you to. I think that's amazingly good news. You know, we've obviously been going through a series recently, Becky mentioned it earlier, a series by Royal Invitation, looking at some of the invitations that God, our King of Kings, gives to us. And and today I want to look at an invitation that we find that, that Jesus offers to us in John 15. Um, and I'm going to start just by, by reading from verses 4 and 5. This is Jesus' invitation. He says, Remain in me, or abide in me, or make your home in me. As I also remain in you, or abide in you, or make my home in you. And then he goes on saying, No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, our natural inclination, certainly my natural inclination, when, when, we're, when we're faced with something that is 
that, that feels overwhelming and that seems impossible it is one of two things. It's to either give up and to walk away or it's to strive and fight and try with all our might to overcome it anyway. And so neither of those things actually help us to be the people that God wants us to be or to do what it is that God wants us to do. And so we quickly become discouraged. We want to do the right thing. We want to live life for God. We want to live life in a way which pleases God. But the problem is that we just don't really know how to. And so we become discouraged. And this is why Jesus says, apart from me... You can do nothing. Now the first thing that I think we need to realize if we're going to make sense of Jesus' invitation today and what it is that Jesus is talking about in these verses is that we are branches. I brought a branch with me. This was one from when I hacked the tree back a few weeks ago and the tree was chopped down. And if you look at the branch, you can see that on its own, on its own, When a branch is disconnected from the vine or disconnected from the tree, disconnected from its source of life, doesn't matter how hard this branch tries, doesn't matter what it does, it doesn't matter how it strives, this branch is never going to grow or flourish or bear fruit. It's impossible. It's always going to fail. It's always going to fall short. What's the real job of this branch? The job of a branch is simply to remain in the vine. It's to remain in the tree. It's to be an extension of the life of the tree. It doesn't have to try and produce life in and of itself. It doesn't have to try and produce fruit in and of itself. It simply has to receive life from the vine, to receive life from the tree. And then naturally, it will produce fruit which is consistent with the vine, which is consistent with the tree that it's attached to. The life is in the vine. It's the vine which does all of the work. It's the vine which lets its roots go down into the soil and sucks up the moisture and the nutrients and the minerals and pushes it out through the sap into the branches. So that they can produce fruit. The branch is totally dependent on the vine. For all of its life and all of its productivity. And I think the great mistake that we we make is that we try to be the vine. When all that we're called to be is the branch. And life is very frustrating. And it's overwhelming. And it can feel utterly impossible. For a branch that is trying to produce fruit on its own. For a branch which is is trying to be a vine. And so Jesus invites us to do the one thing that any branch has to do. He invites us to remain in him. To abide in him. To make him our home. To depend on him and trust in him in the midst of any and every moment in our lives. Do you know, it's a, it's a really simple, simple truth. But I think it's so important. 
And I think it has the potential to impact every single area of our lives. You know, you may know this truth in your, in your head. But how does your attitude or your behavior or your, your prayer life reflect this life of dependence and trust and reliance on God? How does the way in which you invest your time and your energy, the way in which you worry or you stress, show that in one way or another, you're still trying to go it alone? You know, we are no more capable of producing the fruit that God expects or look for in us than we are of, of making an apple appear out of thin air. We can't do it. And as branches, it's not our responsibility to do it. All that we're responsible for is remaining grafted into Jesus. For depending on and trusting in Jesus. And the fruit, the fruit, the lifestyle, the character, the activity that God calls us to, that will be a natural byproduct of where it is that we've made our home. You know, our goal as as branches is to permanently live out of the presence of Jesus, out of the life, the love, and the power of Jesus. And there was a guy who who lived um, in the 19th century, a missionary called Frank Laubach. And when he was in his 40s, he, he said this, he wrote this down. He said, can we have that contact with God all the time? All the time awake? Fall asleep in his arms and awaken in his presence? Can we attain to that? Can we do his will all the time? Can we think his thoughts all the time? Can we bring the Lord back to our mind flow every few seconds so that God is always on our minds? And then he says, I choose to make the rest of my life an experiment answering those questions. I love that. And if you go on and read the other things that he wrote, and he goes on and he talks about learning step by step, day by day, to live more and more in the presence of God. And what he says is simple things. He says, what, what I need to do is to, to start every day well. To start every day by reading the Bible and in prayer. And then throughout the day, I just have to call myself back to that. Throughout the day, continually remind myself to fix my eyes on Jesus. And he says, if, if I forget one day, it's okay. He doesn't stop loving me. He says, but every time I remember, I just turn back to him and say, guide me, lead me, help me in every task of the day. And if we want to be a a people who respond to Jesus' invitation to make him our home, to live in him and to trust him and depend on him, then we need to learn how to bring every single area of our lives to him. Not just the big things, which we kind of do anyway, and we know we need to do, but even with the little things. Do you know, I can't parent in a way that, that brings out fruit without Jesus. You know, and I, I can't go to work and expect there to be fruit which pleases Jesus, if I go to work and just try and do it on my own, unless I can say to him moment by moment, I need you, 
I can't do this without you. I'm dependent on you. I'm trusting in you. Lead me. Guide me. Help me. Most important thing that we we need to start to realize is that we are branches. That we are utterly dependent on Jesus. And desperately need him for everything that we do. So that's Jesus' invitation to us today. It's to remain in him. It's to depend on him. It's to let go of striving and trying and doing. And trust him. But why don't we go back and we'll read it together. John, what John writes in, in chapter 15. We're going to look at what Jesus says in verses 1 to 11. How he promise, what he, is that he promises us as we respond to this invitation to remain in him. If it can pop up on the screen, that would be great. This is what Jesus says. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this. So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. You know, as we look at what what Jesus says here, uh, alongside giving us the responsibility of remaining in him, he also gives us a purpose and he gives us a promise. Now, his purpose for us is that we would bear much fruit, showing ourselves to be his disciples and bringing glory to God. And his promise for us, I think it's a lovely one. His promise is that our joy may be complete. That as we remain in him, as we depend on him, as we trust in him, as we experience his life flowing into us, that with it we would experience his joy flowing into us. And our joy would be complete. It's a great promise, isn't it? And the truth is that that kind of joy that completes us and satisfies us can only come out of that place of of trust and relationship with Jesus. As we experience his life in us and see the fruit that he produces through us, then we can have that excitement of seeing God at work. And the most natural thing that flows out of that is joy. One of the things that I um, I love that these verses make clear is that when it comes to bearing fruit, no matter where we are at, God has more for us. I don't know about you, but I think that's a, a great encouragement. 
know, Jesus starts by talking about the branches that bear no fruit. And then he talks about how the branches that bear some fruit, but he wants them to bear more fruit than that. And then he, he talks about how um, he finishes by saying that those who remain in him, those who are his followers, will bear much fruit. They will bear an abundance of fruit. And it's almost like you get to this, this kind of talking about this enthusiastic guy who's caught this big fish and he's like, it's this big. And he's like, you're going to, in the end of the day, if my followers are going to produce this much fruit. So no matter where you, you feel you are at with God, if you feel like you're a branch which is, is disconnected, that's dead, that's dried up, that is, is producing no fruit because you feel just overwhelmed by life, if you feel like a branch that is producing some fruit, the principles that Jesus teaches in these verses are there to help us to go from, from wherever we are at to being a people who produce this much fruit. Because God's got so much more for each and every one of us. And to help us understand how this kind of fruitful life works, God, with, with God works, Jesus chooses to talk about a, a vine and branches. And for us, that's probably not the most helpful image to use. But we have to understand that vineyards were pretty common in Israel. They were all over the place. And, and there's a high chance that when Jesus is talking about this with the guys who are following him, they're walking through a vineyard at the time. And so I think there are things that we can easily miss in these verses that the people who are with Jesus would have picked up on. You know, a, a healthy vine... And this is an obvious thing to say, but a healthy vine, just like any plant, will put out new shoots and will grow, that will grow into new branches. The thing, though, that with, with vines is that these new branches often grow along the ground. And so they end up being covered by dirt and hidden from the sun. And so they're, they're alive. They've got the life of the vine flowing through them, but they can't produce fruit because they're hidden and they're buried. So what will happen is that the gardener will go around and he will come along and he will wash the dirt off from these branches. And then he will lift it up and he will put it onto the trellis so that it's held up in the sunshine. So the branch is washed, it's lifted up and it's trained so that it can become fruitful. And Jesus, he begins the whole discussion with, with, um, with the disciples about the vine and the branches by talking about these kind of branches which don't bear any fruit. And what does he say that God does with these kinds of branches? What does he say that, that God the gardener does? I don't know what it says in your Bible, but in mine and up on the screen when we had it, it had the words, cut off. That he would cut off these branches that bear no fruit. And I know in some translations it simply says that he takes away or he removes them. That doesn't sound much like a caring gardener, does it? Washing and cleaning and lifting up and training these branches. But the thing is, and this is one of the challenges with, with the Bible and it being written in different languages, the thing is that the Greek word that is actually used here by John can mean a number of different things. It can mean to take away, but it can also mean to lift up or to pick up. And I think this really captures what it is that Jesus was talking about here. What it is that he's talking about for, for those branches which remain in him, for those people who choose to remain in him. That transformation process that he desires to work in the lives of people who trust him. 
that every person who depends on him, every person who trusts him, every person who, who abides in him or remains in him, that God will wash away the dirt. He'll wash away the muck and the hurt and the pain of this world. He will clean us. And then he will lift us up. He will support us. He will train us. He will equip us so that we can become people who bear fruit. Now, later on in verse 6, Jesus talks about um, how those who don't remain in him, how they're thrown away. But here in verse 2, he's talking about a branch which remains in the vine, which lives in Jesus. And it simply needs the care and the love of a tender gardener to transform it to be a branch that can bear fruit. Now, left to ourselves, I know all too well how easy it is, even as people who know Jesus, to allow the muck and the dirt of this world to cover us up, to stifle us, to overwhelm us, and to stop us from being fruitful. But God's desire and purpose for you is to lift you up. So that you not only experience his life flow, so you not only know his presence with you, so you not only know that you are in him, but actually he washes you clean, he lifts you up, he trains you, he supports you, he encourages you and equips you in order that you may bear fruit. In order that you might grow and flourish. Isn't that a fantastic picture of what God wants to do in your life? But the great thing is, as we read on in these verses, that God isn't finished with us just then. That he wants more for us than that. And so Jesus says, once a branch is bearing fruit, that God, just like any gardener, sets about caring for how that branch can become even more fruitful. So it can bear this much fruit. And he does that by pruning. Now, you may have gathered from my struggles with roots that I'm not much of a gardener, but... My understanding is that an experienced vine keeper will prune out the growth that is diseased or carrying insects that are dangerous to the life of the vine. He's going to cut out the parts of the vine that are diseased because he knows that the longer he leaves them there, the greater the risk that they will affect the rest of the branch, which is healthy. But he'll also sometimes cut off good living wood Or the new shoots which are drawing the the, the life of the plant into areas that are ineffective. And so stopping the plant from being as fruitful as it can be. And Jesus is saying that in the areas of our lives, in the areas of our lives that hold us back from being who God wants us to be, in the areas of our lives that, that... that stop us from being the people that God intends us to be. God will work in us to try and prune us, to cut them out of us. And he will do that because he does not want to allow the wrong things. He does not want to allow the disease and the wrong things to spread into the healthy areas and to begin to pull us down in the areas which are good. And he'll do that because even in the... Even in the areas which are are unfruitful, in the areas where we're spending time and getting distracted with things that he never intended for us, which aren't in and of themselves bad things, but just draw away the life that he's pouring into us so that we're not bearing fruit as he wants us to. It's about getting rid of the rubbish. 
It's about getting rid of the things that distract us and get in the way. So that as we follow Jesus, as we choose to remain in him and depend on him, as we submit to to God's purpose, as we allow him to wash us clean and to change and shape our lives so that we're not surrounded by the muck, as we allow him to, to prune us, It would be a continuous process in our lives of becoming more and more and more fruitful. And so we need to ask God, what is it? What is it in my life that I need to be rid of? That I need to be pruned of? And then allow him to prune us before we become so full of rubbish or so covered over by the dirt and the muck that we become nothing more than a dry stick. Or we become so distracted and spread out and caught up in so many different things that we just become ineffective. And the the reality is, you don't have to chop too many trees down to see this. Pruning can be painful. You know, and often I think God does his best pruning sometimes in those, in the midst of troubles, in the difficulties, in the midst of pain. And we can often wonder in those moments, where are you, God? What's going on? Why are you letting this happen? What are you doing? And while we might not understand exactly how in that moment we need to remember that God never wastes an opportunity, that he is our good gardener, that he is caring for us, And he will work in the midst of the pain. He will work in the midst of the difficulties and the hard times for our good. To form us to produce more fruit and more fruit and this much fruit. Never forget that God loves you. That he cares for you. That he adores you. And that he wants what's best for you. His purpose as the good gardener is to prune. It's to move amongst us, cutting the dead wood from our lives. He cannot just sit back and allow disease and rot to settle in. Sometimes he even cuts back the, the, the living wood and it can hurt. But he knows exactly what he's doing. He moves among us with his pruning knife in a precise way to remove from our hearts bitterness or anger or resentment or selfishness or pride or anything which gets in the way of us being who God wants us to be. And sometimes it hurts. But his purpose is so that you can bear this much fruit. So that you can be the best that you can be. So that you can prove yourself to be his follower. So that you can bring him much glory. And so that your joy may be complete. And it's a lifelong process. God is never finished with you and he's never finished with me. I don't know if any of you have ever been to to Hampton Court Palace. There's a vine there. If we can pop a picture up of it, um, that would be great. I've not been and seen it myself. um, But there's a, a vine there which is reckoned to be the oldest vine in the world at over 240 years old. Um, so here it is. Uh, you can you can see the root of the vine on the left um, here, uh, and flowing out from there are all of the 
um, the branches uh, and things over onto the right-hand side. Now, the root base here is um, over four meters round. It's pretty big, isn't it? And the longest branch is 36.5 meters long. It takes the vine keeper three weeks just to pick all of the grapes. And the average crop is between 500 and 700 bunches um, of grapes, the weight of which is about the same as two baby elephants. That's a pretty amazing vine, isn't it? And it's over 240 years later, it is still producing fruit, much fruit, more fruit, an abundance of fruit. I want to tell you something. The vine that you were grafted into as a follower of Jesus is more than 240 years old. And the life that flows through him is much greater than the vine at Hampton Court. So however long you have been a Christian, and wherever you are at in your, in your Christian life, God still has more for you. No matter how old you are, He still wants you to be producing fruit, more fruit, and much fruit in your life. Very quickly, I've talked about fruit a lot this morning. And while Jesus compares us to to branches, the reality is that we're we're never going to have a moment, are we, when um, no matter how much we depend and trust in him and remain in him and rely on him, we're never going to have a moment when we're going to sprout grapes and apples out of our arms, are we? So what is it that Jesus is talking about when he talks talking about fruit? And I think what Jesus really means in brief is that as we depend on him and as we allow the life of God to flow in us and flow through us, that he will be at work shaping us and forming us to become more like him and working through us to reach out to other people. What he's saying really then is that as we learn to remain in him and to trust him and to depend on him, In any and every circumstance, what we will find is that we begin to grow to become more like him. What we'll find is that we'll begin to respond to those circumstances the way that he would respond to those circumstances. What we'll find is that our character is changed and we'll begin to grow to um, in the fruit of the spirit, in love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, essentially that we will be obedient to Jesus and become more like Jesus and that that fruit will be evident in our lives for all to see. But fruit never grows for the benefit of the vine it grows on, does it? That poor vine at Hampton Court doesn't get to enjoy any of those grapes. It grows fruit for the benefit of others. And Jesus didn't go through life just getting to enjoy the power and the presence of God with him in every moment. He was moved to reach out to others. And so I think as God shapes and forms and works within us, it is not only for our own benefit, but it's so that we can be a blessing to others. So that we can reach out to others with the love of God, so that they can pick off the fruit which is growing and taste and see something of the goodness of God. And when we start to focus again on the fruit, I think it's easy to end up back in that place of feeling overwhelmed and feeling like, I can't do it. And the amazing liberating thing that that Jesus teaches us in this passage that we have to remember is that we are still just a branch. 
Now, it can be so easy to build up this picture of the fruit, this picture of the kind of life that God is calling us up to and set goals and targets and challenges and make commitments and try harder. I'm going to do things differently. But at the end of the day, we're just a branch. And no matter how hard we try, we can never produce fruit alone. And so the great liberating thing that Jesus teaches us is that we only have one primary responsibility. Easy to remember one thing, isn't it? And our one primary responsibility is to remain in him. It's to abide in him. It's to make him our home. The one that we depend on, the one that we trust in, to live life with him. And the reality is that as we do that, as we experience the life of God in us and we're obedient to his promptings and we allow him to stir our hearts and make changes which lift us up and put us onto the trellis, as we submit to him, that fruit will come naturally. The fruit is in our responsibility. Remaining in Jesus is. Trusting in Jesus is. Being obedient to Jesus is. And as you, as you look to remain in Jesus, we all like to see results. But I want to encourage you to remember that fruit takes time to grow. So don't allow yourself to be discouraged easily. This isn't something that just happens overnight or happens instantly. It's a process of growth, a process of transformation and change to become more like Jesus. To reach out to others with his love and with his life. So this week, I want to encourage you to do a couple of things. And I want to encourage you really just to try and to take your eyes off of the tasks and the goals and all of the things in life that you are striving to achieve. It's not that they're bad things, but you need to know that they're not your primary purpose. So this week, I want to encourage you to start every day by fixing your eyes on Jesus, to draw close to him, to spend time um, with him. And, and for some of you, it's natural, part of your routine and your habit that you've done for years and years and years to carve out time to spend with Jesus every day. And that is great and keep at it. But what I really want to encourage you to do is it, to do it in those moments. In those moments when you feel like you, like life is overwhelming. In those moments when you feel like it's too much. In those moments when you feel like you just don't know how you can cope and how you're going to carry on. In that moment, take out five minutes. And spend it with Jesus. Not only do I promise you that you will feel better for it. But it will be a sign and a reminder to you. That actually you are just a branch. That your one responsibility is to remain in him. To trust in him. To depend on him. And he is the one that you need to be giving you life. He is the one that you need so that you can be fruitful, so that you can cope with everything that life throws at you, so that you can know joy in the midst of it, which is complete in him.